Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I was and still am a medical doctor trying to pursue a career in acting. Is anyone else really tired this week? I know, I know. We're all tired all the time, but I don't know what it was about this morning. I woke up just exhausted. Uh, Granted, I have been covering a lot of shifts for people who've been sick with COVID and stuff like that in the hospital. I know that's every everywhere. It's not just healthcare providers. Teachers are doing it, stuff like that. But man, I don't know what it is. It's kind of that gloomy spring day, and I realize that all the episodes of my podcast, I've been whining about it being winter, now it's spring, but I should be appreciative. But Man, I'm tired. I had a bunch of auditions to do today, which, yay, I'm really excited about. But isn't it weird how we get these auditions and we're so excited, but then there's just this feeling of, oh, crap, now I need to prep for an audition, even though you've been waiting for it for so long. Anyways, I have the cure, I think, for fatigue, April fatigue. Uh, And his name is Ken Ferguson. He is my guest this week on episode number 12, or is it 13, depending on if you believe in the Trish Raynoni multiverse from last week. (laughs) Anyway, my guest this week, like I said, is Ken Ferguson. This guy is one of the coolest people I've met in a really long time. We met at a Larissa Mayer workshop through Jeb Beach, and she loved him, of course. I mean, everyone who meets him loves him. She noticed behind him he had a diploma. And she was like, oh, what is that there? And he goes, oh, that's my teaching degree. I used to be a teacher. And of course, in my mind, I was like, ding, ding, ding. I'm going to harass you to be in my podcast. So I did. And wow, what a cool guy. I'm so excited for you to see this episode. You'll see. And as if you've seen on my social media, he has a very distinct look, very distinct beard. So he goes out for very, very, very specific roles. We take a massive deep dive into that about type and typecasting, marketability with, again, very distinct facial features and facial hair. Should he shave his beard? Should he not? Advice he's heard from people, advice he's heard from acting coaches and, you know, just the general public who love to give advice. Anyways, I think it's a really great conversation. He is filled with energy and has the coolest story. Please enjoy Ken Ferguson. Hi. It's great to see you. Yeah, nice to meet you in person instead of in an acting class. <laughs> I know, I know. I that was that was Larissa Mayer, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. She loved you. <laughs> I'm a, a a kooky looking guy. <laughs> and I remember the the actress you were paired with was unbelievable as well too. You guys were just great together. It was so fun to watch. We really clicked and it was really nice to have that because I don't know if you've, you've felt it like sometimes I'd say most of the time actors, like when you were saying that you had never really gone to the, um, the waiting rooms and done a lot of the in-person auditions, Mm -hmm. but like some people sometimes can be a bit standoffish because they're trying to prepare and you don't want to bother them with lines and things like that. So like you're, you kind of walk into these things a little bit more tepid, tempering yourself. But, like, we were both like, hey, what's up? <laughs> like, super excited. I was avoiding taking online classes for pretty much all of the pandemic because I was like, it's not worth it. Why would I spend money to be on video? 
you know, I want that interaction. I had done Second City, the actor's training program, and it was all in person, and it was very hands-on, interacting, in the moment, and I found it really helpful for auditions to try to switch on a dime when they ask for those corrections or redirects. And so it was funny because she, I think, had done one other one, but yeah, like the role that she took, I think, also was very much herself in that she was doing a rom-com, like, best friend role. She can market the shit out of that because, yeah, Larissa was really impressed with her, and I was too. I was like, yeah, you're you're the best friend. Whereas for me, it's like, I'm generally a, a very happy, at least trying to be, <laughs> you know, optimistic, trying to be social, hang out with people as much as what I can. Because, like, what you said, too, about, like, the shark, you know, if it doesn't swim, it dies, because the water and the oxygen needs to go over its gills. Like, they can't just, like, pump their own gills without moving. That's what I am, like, socially. Like, I get energy from hanging out with people and having a, a full schedule. So lockdown's been really weird, and COVID's just been really weird, because I'm not that kind of a person to just sit around, like you were saying, twiddling your thumbs. So with Devin, I was like, hey, I, I like maybe I went in a bit too strong because I was just like, someone to talk to. I haven't like acted for a while. And like I had just gone union in like the end of November. And for a non-union world, you know, you're really busy. I mean, I'd say especially for me, just being like a 30-year-old man, because it's like, you could be a dad, but you could also be like something a bit younger, you know, in, in your 30s, at least. Uh, you've got like, to the 40s, to the 30s, maybe I'm like, aging out of the younger 30s, I don't know. But like, when I cut this beard off and everything, it's different. But with it, um, she and I were talking about it. And I was just like, I have a really hard time with the role that I'm doing because it, it was really angry and I was like trying to murder my girlfriend. And so I had like a prop gun and I was running through a warehouse and like I had to let my roommates know that everything was okay, <laughs> that I wasn't going to be like hurting myself or anyone else, but that I had to yell, which is another complication of, of COVID, just these self tapes all the time. But yeah, with it, it was just like us kind of having a moment to like bat ideas off of each other and it was just so nice to have a supportive person in that room because you know like anger is something that's hard to come by for me and so like I can look really angry especially with like the long beard and like if I have like my head shaved it curls like like fun and you know you're a clown you're kooky or whatever like bouncy personality and I generally prescribe to that but the the problem is that like I need to learn how to do those roles because some people see me that way. And, you know, like with, with acting, especially I, I just took the Sarah cake and Jeb beach class yesterday. She's like, you need to be whatever role they think that you are. She's like, if they see you as this, there was a, a woman, I know I'm going on a bit of a tangent and I will come back to it, but there was a woman yesterday who is six feet, almost six feet tall. And she's saying, you know, I'm more of a soft person and I definitely fall into these roles, but, you know, because I'm so tall, like, I'll get these castings where it's like, I have to be like a hard bitch or like, you know, an Amazonian woman or, you know, you're, you're kind of falling into an archetype just because of your body. But I mean, that happens with the, the film industry and TV, you know? Uh, but for her, she was like, uh, trying to ask about like, how to really develop that. 
And so, yeah, I could relate a lot to what she was saying because, yeah, like when I have this big beard and this crazy long hair, it's like, you look like you're a hippie or you look like you're a stoner or you look like, you know, you are an unemployed alcoholic or, you know, whatever. I had, um, you know, a little bit of reality that I'm probably not going to be getting with a lot of lead roles, especially looking like this, but like won't be getting a lot of lead roles in my, you know, infancy of being an actor, right? Like, I'm probably going to get the roles that are, like, less than six lines or, like, one line or whatever. Like, the first actor role that I booked was for the TV show Transplant. And the the role was literally bearded guy. My trailer <laughs> outside just said bearded guy. <laughs> I, took, I took a photo of it right beside it. And I didn't have any speaking lines. It was just, like, I had a big beard. So I was a niche role. Not a lot of actor-actors have this. Even though I've got kind of an insignificant role, you're being put in there to drive the plot of the main characters. If a casting director is taking their time out to be a part of a a coaching session, they want to be there. And casting directors in general want you to get the job. That's the big scary thing. Like when I would go to the rooms at first, I'd, I'd feel like, oh, I hope I get this. Oh, I need to make an impression. Oh, they're... They're probably all against me. And it's like, no, if the casting director has brought you in, they see potential in you and they want you to get the job. It doesn't mean that they don't want the other people in the room to get the job. They just want to bring the best people in. So like casting directors are there to support you and, and get you into the space that you need to, to book the role because I mean, they're getting paid, but like the more successful people they get from, you know, booking after booking after booking, it's better for everybody. So they want the, the best people in the room. So even if you're nervous, you need to just remember, like, my place is here and I'm here for a reason. We so much focus on, I need to get this correct and what is correct for the scene and correct for this. And yeah, we do. But I think so much of it is the directability part, right? Like, yeah, she saw you do the scene and she's like, okay, well, now now try it this way. Oh, there's him. There's more of Ken as an actor. As opposed to, there's more of Ken as a cop. It's like, let's see him as an actor. Take me back to what brought you into this crazy industry. How did you get started into acting? So, it's funny. I was, my public school, (laughs) uh, we had plays in kindergarten. And I was Baby Bear, because I was a really short little kid. I was a little blondie. I might as well have been Goldilocks, though, not Baby Bear. But... (laughs) The hair wasn't quite as curly and long at that time. That happened when I, when I hit puberty. My hair went from blonde and straight to curly and brown with little, little tufts of blonde in there. But I, I ended up loving plays and, and acting, but like there wasn't a drama program for like, you know, grade ones or grade twos and stuff like that. And then you think about it. I, uh, I liked singing. I liked dancing, I liked performing. But, you know, like a lot of that in the country is kind of like countryside is kind of like, no, you need to play sports and be at soccer and like be a man, like kind of a deal. So I didn't um, start acting really again until um, high school. And my brother had been an actor in high school and had been in like Fame the Musical and like the whole like high school's set of parents and students would all come and watch. So I, I remember watching him on stage and being like, wow, my brother's a star. <laughs> and... Um, a bunch of his friends actually went to college or university for their acting programs. And I just remember my mom talking to them later on when they had come back after, you know, like the first semester and they were like, Oh, it's really different from high school drama. You know, there's always, I think for a lot of people, their parents are a little bit more discouraging 
of going into an acting program in school. So I never, I never went into it. And I, I went for geography and environmental science because I got good grades in high school in it. And I was interested in the world and biology and different biospheres, you know, like climates, temperatures, tectonics, you know, all those things were so interesting to me. So I went to university for it. Yeah, I ended up falling in love and moving to Japan and ended up being an English teacher there. And I loved the job. Our relationship ended, but I loved that job. And I was like, I should go back to teach. So I got a, a, a teaching degree. Through that process, I realized how disorganized of a person I am. I am not a bad teacher, but I will say that I um, yeah, have a really hard time with some of the expectations to be a teacher. There's so much marking, there's so much grading, there's so much work after school. You really get emotionally invested in your kids. You really want them to do the best, but you know, you've got some family situations that aren't the best and it it doesn't even matter like income because you could have parents that are really rich that like don't spend any time with their kids or you know, like dad or a mom who likes to drink, you know, and then you've got I had these um, two students that had, yeah, just uh, being through the ringer that year, like the little boy was in kindergarten, the little girl was in grade two, and she was like a real fighter. And this one day I was at the assembly and there was this song about family and she wasn't a part of the choir, but she knew all the words to the song and I saw her singing along in the stands and she knew like all the, the actions and she was singing this song about family and like loving your mom and, and whatever the lyrics were. And I just saw her bawling her eyes out and wiping her eyes while she was singing. I like, I went and I talked to some of the teachers afterwards and I was just like, I don't know if I can do this job. I just want to adopt them. (laughs) And, and they were like, yeah, that we feel like that. A lot of the time, the conversations that you have with some parents, like you, you need to deal with different dynamics. And some people don't think that you're qualified and they're going to challenge you and they're going to say, you know, whatever about your lessons. And it, it's a very, and I mean, man, I'm so happy I'm not a teacher during COVID because it's being an actor really for us because you're trying to get these kids to learn. Oh man, I can't even imagine. Cause like you're getting watched by an audience as well as the kids and trying to redirect it. And then being in and out of the classroom, like people were like, now's your time. You should do substitute teaching, you know, get in. Well, it's good. My mom was pushing me really, really hard to be a teacher and like every single time she'd call me, it would be like the first question, like, you need to get a pension. You need to look after your future. Have you applied to the boards? Oh, there's a job here if you need it. Oh, you should join the reading clubs. And it was like, there was never any other conversation. And one day I just like, I had moved to Toronto after I had lived in Peterborough because I went to teacher's college at Trent and I lost it on her. I was just like, I don't even feel like this is my decision I feel like anything that I do for teaching will be to appease you. 
And I was like, you know what? I was applying to the boards, but now I don't want to. Congrats, mom. <laughs> you know, like you forced this. Like if, if you wanted me to do it, you should have let me do it in my own time. It's funny because you're, you're talking second act actor. I've had so many weird jobs <laughs> because of that decision. I mean, before that, like growing up in a rural area, you know, like I did corn pollination. So I, I bred corn and then I worked at Subway and then in university, like I did a bit of serving for an events venue here in Toronto. Then I was an English teacher out in Japan then I went to teacher's college and then I came back. Oh, I, and in, in my geography years, I was actually um, working on waste audits. So we collected garbage and sorted it to see how the recycling programs were going. Yeah, it was disgusting. It was like <laughs> diapers, rot, like it was awful in like 36 degrees Celsius heat at a dump. It was anyway, oh so we don't need to go into too much detail on that. But um, yeah, <laughs> then Japan and teaching English, coming back doing teacher's college. I had had a summer in there of serving at the events venue here in Toronto. And then I moved back to Toronto because I wanted to, you know, have a nightlife, have a social life. I was 27. Most of my friends were here. And there's just more things to do. Growing up in a small town, it's it's limited for jobs. And also, you have to drive everywhere. And having lived in Japan, I really, like, I biked everywhere when I was there. And I was like, why the fuck don't I bike? So I went to Peterborough and I was biking a lot. And then I moved back to Toronto and I just biked. I've been biking all year long for like over a decade now because it's just so convenient. Like everything's so close. You don't need a car and cars are a nuisance here. I started working at a bar and I was um, a delivery driver for a kids food catering company. And then I ended up uh, leaving that job and becoming a court reporter so I sat in on people. I did not look like this. I was <laughs> very, very trim beard, cut hair, all the all the nine yards. Is it nine yards? <laughs> the whole nine yards of, of like trying to look more professional. And you know, it was like the right. downtown financial district. Oh, Bay and King. I'm like walking around with lawyers, even though I was like essentially we we take the um, audio equipment, we set it up. And then what the company did was take the audio, a typist would type it out, and then it would be transcripts and legal documents for court. So it was all all civil litigation. So it was like accident benefit, judgment debtor exams, copyright. There was also some delving into professional colleges. So I went to the College of Nurses of Ontario very often. And those were always the uh, most interesting cases. And... The, the thing yeah. is, though, like when you're going to some of those, you're just like, oh, my God, I'm along with med mal, like the medical malpractice cases, because we would we would get those two where patients were suing doctors. Yeah, like you would have a guilt about it because it was so interesting and you wanted more cases like this. But then you're like, oh, my God, these things that are happening to these people, like on both sides, what came down to it was. And this is where, like, acting comes back in, is I'm not that person. You know, I'm not Bay and King. I'm not someone... I loved getting dressed up, but it it kind of felt like being an actor. I ended up taking a voice acting class with Kim Hurden casting as I was still doing it. And I was like, oh, that was kind of fun. I should sign up for more classes. So while I was still a court reporter, 
I signed up for a clowning class because I used to compete trampoline. And that was a future that a lot of people went to. I was part of a circus here in this. Well, I was part of circus classes, clowning classes for a, a circus called Lunacy Cabaret. And it's such a fun show. Yeah. If you ever come down to Toronto and they're having it, we, I, I'll take you personally. Oh, that'd be amazing. It's such a good environment. And uh, the two clowns that run the show ran a clowning class called Sketchy and Fesso's Crash Course in Vaudeville. So I took number one and I took number two. And it was going through different types of clowning and going through different types of um, being silly and like also having to react seriously to someone being silly. Mm. So like one of the activities in that was you had to go around the room and everyone's kind of like kooky and fun and want to want to be silly. And some of us look strange because <laughs> we're being clowns, right? And you have to walk around the room and you have to say hello and hello. Everyone has to say hello, walking around, walking around. And then as response, you're not supposed to smile at all. Everyone just saying hello. And then it goes to everyone, one half of us say hello. The other one says, fuck you. So you're like, hello. And then someone just responds to you, fuck you. And like, you're supposed to say dead, deadpan, right? But like, Sometimes you would just be laughing from the hellos because we're all like walking around in a circle and we're all kind of goofy people. And it was like a real exercise in trying to like, no, manage your stage presence, manage your reactions. How, how do you deal with an audience member if you pull them up and they're being crazy? Like, so we learned how to do audience pulls and like who good people are to pull up. And this class just like, it was only like six weeks, eight weeks, but it was like such a highlight of my week. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing in this job? Cause like on top of that, you're around people that are angry, that are crying, that are getting sued. They're super stressed. Like as a court reporter, it was a really interesting position to be in because you're not invested either way. You're mm -hmm. supposed to be a neutral party. You're just there to produce the transcript to get the evidence. So you're in the middle of two people screaming. It was a lot of negativity to be around. Yeah. And you don't really notice the emotional baggage that you kind of start to take on. And I just like realized like after two and a half years, I was distracting myself by going on these trips because it was a very flexible job. So mm -hmm. bartending, I could take time off and court reporting had like busy seasons and slow seasons. The summer was quite slow. So it was like, huh. And Christmas was slow. So it was like, save up money, work, 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 work. And then spend it all while going to Iceland. And then it was like, work, 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 spend it all going to Turkey and then have to come back and work, 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 work. And when I hit 30, I actually had, um, this moment when I came back and I didn't have as much money. Uh, I spent more than what I thought cause I went to Paris and it's an expensive city and the Euro is like double our money. And I came back and my, one of my teeth broke and then a couple of weeks later, my cell phone broke. And then a couple of weeks later, my laptop broke. And it was a realization for me where I was like, what am I doing with my life? Like, it's great to travel, but do I want to be in this constant stream of building up and then just like letting go of all of it? And like, now that I've had these like three things and I'm 30, I'm like, oh shit, I should probably start saving money awkward <laughs> that I then decide to go into acting, <laughs> but 
Not known for the stability. So I signed up for a background acting agency, ML Talent, and it was great. It was a good experience. I knew I had to work my butt off because they're long days. But doing background was so good for trying to learn if you've got the stamina for this. Because it's like, if you make it into a movie, it's long days on set. You know, you're like, I was on Suicide Squad and the one day was like 19 hours. And they're like, more energy, dance, dance. (laughs) So you're like dancing, like the poor women in heels and like the drag queens that I was with. They were tough for like 20 hours and you're like hair and makeup all day long. I was lucky because I was, you know, in fairly comfortable clothes. But man, some of the outfits that people had to wear for that long with background, you're like getting carted off to places and rushing to other places. And, you know, you've had some like really cool roles, but, you know, it doesn't really count for anything when you, you do background. Like you would never include that on a resume because that ends up hurting actually for you to get into shows. Because if you were background on a show and you were featured, you can be seen. And then it's like, oh, that person was in this episode though. How are they now this other character? I did this series where I um, bathed in a bunch of strangers' bathtubs, meeting meeting people throughout Toronto, and that became a, a bit of like a global thing where I got covered by German news and Swiss news, and I was in a bunch of newspapers and the Star, and that was like a really fun, exciting experiment. And then I ended up going to Europe for a couple months to do that, and then I came back, and I was like, I need to get more into acting again. Like, what am I doing? So. Out of nowhere, I got contacted by a modeling agency. That's a whole other story. I'm not with them anymore. Definitely my advice for anyone that wants to go into acting is to go to the Actra website and make sure that the agent that you're going for is part of their affiliation on their page. Because there are so many people that are claiming that they're agents and there are so many people that are claiming that they're a talent agency or a modeling agency and they do some shady shit. Some of them, some of them are good, but yeah, mine got me my foot in the door. I booked a couple commercials with them, but I um, ended up essentially paying like a 40% commission, even though the contract said 20% commission should be 15%. Something like that. In 2016, I had booked my first commercial and then I booked a couple in 2017 And then I signed on with an agent and she's my current agent, Heinz Management. And the difference of the quality of auditions was like, they were, the modeling agency was getting me out a lot, but the quality of the auditions and the um, professionalism of the auditions really increased when I, I got to Amy. And my first year with her, I booked two, three TV shows and eight commercials So I was above average for that year and for most other people in my age category. And then the next year I booked nine commercials and it's just like, so indicative of having the right agent and also auditioning a lot because your nerves start to disappear once you're like, holy shit, I do this three times a week. I had one week when I first started that I had 10 auditions. I was biking from one 
like learning my lines on on my bicycle across the city to the other one. Oh my god! And like that was definitely an outlier week. Like I I don't think I've ever had that repeat. But it was like a couple self tapes and then like eight auditions. And the one day I had like three auditions, and it was like way out on the west end of the city, way out on the east end of the city, and then in the middle of the city. So you're like ping ponging back and forth. And they also didn't yeah. work with like the amount of like the order like this one was like it, it didn't make any sense with like okay let's do it geographically in order right of course not it's it's been a real switch going to union because mm-hmm. i i started in you know the winter primarily in non-union it's a lot of acting for commercials and so your busy mm-hmm. seasons kind of like end of summer like middle of august to like mid-november ish so, like, that's when, like, it really gets busy because they're trying to sell everything for Christmas, right? And then things right. are pretty dead for December, but things kind of start to pick up a little bit in January. Like, you might have, like, a couple here in, in January. So now it's, like, a whole new game for me because I'm like, oh, what's the union world like? And it's also different because your union as well, talking to Sarah Kay, she's like, it's going to be so busy this summer. We're already, like, really, really busy with streaming services, because I had asked her the question yesterday about pilot season, you know, how like pilot season used to be like more of a thing. She's like, now it's kind of just all year long. And she was like, it's going to be busy from like, March to November. So I mean, yeah, fingers crossed, I'm gonna probably have to cut my beard off. And I I understood that too. Beard man! Bearded guy! (laughs) bearded guy but that's the thing it's like it, it got me the niche role for that show but yeah. just like with commercial acting to be more marketable i need to have this all gone mm. like you get really interesting mm. roles when you look like this like you're you know a, a hippie or a drug addict or, or whatever or you're homeless or yeah you know you're the cool guy that like is an axe throwing hipster or whatever or like you know you're in an, an open um relationship with your wife uh Phoenicia and right you know, you know you, got, <laughs> on the commune right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> following the bogwan yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like those things happen but they're farther between further few and further between right so like why not get yourself to be more marketable and she's like I'm not telling yeah. you to do anything but make your stake book your things to get money and then you can start doing this again because this is like a very cyclical mm. thing for me like, I'll go from right. clean-shaven to this look towards the end of the year. Maybe it's not the best for the commercial season, you know? Like, I should be looking more clean-cut. More Bay and King. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel kind of more my authentic self like this, who I am as a person. I think I connect a lot with, like, Robin Williams. But um, yeah, like other, other actors like that, like, there's elements of, like, Jim Carrey or, like, Mike Myers or, like, all, all those people, like, great, great comedians. Um, mm-hmm. But you've got... <laughs> like Amy Poehler. <laughs> um, but you've got these people that you connect to. They were discovered kind of more clean shaven, you know, like they were like, aside from like kind of Zach Galifianakis, like he was like this, but that was a very specific role. So for me, I know like this, I feel is like kind of more my authentic self, but I also know based on my success rates for booking things and also on like romantic levels or like, you know, heads turning at a bar or eyes checking you out. This isn't it. <laughs> you know, like I, I get hair in my mouth all the time when I'm eating, like 
imagine kissing that. Like it's, it's, it's not practical. I, I definitely like attract a certain, I I wouldn't say that I'm not attractive, but I'm not traditionally attractive. And I also don't necessarily feel like sexy like this, you know, I, I feel like fun. And I feel like, like I could be like that gross kind of pervy weirdo, Right? right. Like I, I'm like the wandering backpacker in Costa Rica or Thailand trying to discover myself. Yeah. And I think it's hard because I've had a lot of discussion with people about typecasting, mm. right? And you think, I mean, if this is how you feel your most authentic self, I mean, you want to project that in your auditions and stuff because that'll yeah. come through, right? Feeling authentic and genuine. But then you also get, okay, I'm not, I, this is, your look is so typecastable. But you can also play such a huge other range. Like, what is the right answer? I don't know. I think it comes down to, you know, you're so well trained in everything that you can still be a genuine, authentic self when you are clean shaven, even though, you know, you do feel more authentic and genuine with your beard. It's because you are an actor and can act. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's the real thing is like the, the good thing about having these classes with the casting directors are the ones that are like rooting for you, saying their, their critiques. Yeah. Again, it shouldn't hurt it should be like something that you're like, okay, I can learn from this point. It's, uh, I had this activity the first day I took a second city class and it was like on camera training. Like it was like an intro class for what you should expect from the industry. And it was awesome. It was like, how much should you pay for headshots? What are good agencies? What are the rates that you're expected for commission? What do you expect when you go to a casting studio? And like, I just wanted to get like an idea of what the industry was like. So there were a bunch of us noobs in the room and she was like, okay, we're all going to sit in the center of the room and I'm going to ask 13 questions. It was like 12 or 13 questions. No one is supposed to be offended by this. I want each of you to write out your honest opinion of what you think about this person. This is what it's like to go into a casting room. You are going to have people looking at you that don't know you, that have their immediate visual understanding of who you are. Like maybe you've auditioned for them before, but because you guys are all noobs, you haven't. So I want you to feel like what it's like. And from this, what I want you to learn is if someone sees a character that you don't like, you have to think how you can be that character. I sat in there, right? And she's like, is this person trustworthy? Yes or no. Is this person from the country or the city? Yes or no. Is this person a parent? Yes or no. What is their job? You know, um, and like all these different things that you get. I remember a lot of it was characters I already said, like, because I looked like this. It was like hippie, drug addict, single, untrustworthy, the fun uncle. And I was like, ooh, I'm the fun uncle. I am a fun uncle. Okay. Homeless. Like those kind of things popped up. And then the next week I came back and like my beard and everything was gone. And everyone was like, are you in the right? Oh, they're like, oh my God. They're like, are you in the right room? But another woman in the class, she, and I became friends through it. She's super pretty, but I wrote, you look like that bitch in high school. Like you're that mean girl. Mm. All these things can be offensive if you take it the wrong way. How would you behave if you were addicted? How would you behave if you were homeless? How would you behave if you were a surf bum on the beaches of Tamarindo? You know, like those kinds of things. And so it was like, just to preface it, like, what is your character? How can you absorb those roles? And that's what Sarah Kay said yesterday. She's like, ultimately, 
you need to be whatever the character is. You need to absorb that role. And if it means that you have more of an advantage cutting all your hair off, do it. Why not choose the thing that's more marketable? Interesting. Yeah. So it was, it was a bit of a, a teeter-totter. It- well, I think kind of what you were saying before, once you get more of a breadth of work underneath your belt, you can be seen as the... <laughs> yeah, Jim Carrey's Robin Williams of the world, they can say, oh, he was bearded guy. But look, oh, he's also cor- he's also Bay and King, too. Whoa, look at the range this guy can play if we just ask him to grow a beard or ask him to shave the beard, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm quite a chameleon for, for looks, which is, yeah. I think, an asset, and I hope it's something that is seen when I, like, finally compile a demo reel. <laughs> I had a, a role a little bit ago where I was essentially like kind of the, and I think you might've heard it, but the molestery stepdad. And I was in like a Mm, robe mm -hmm. and it was like open and my chest was out and I was drinking a beer. And it's like, I'm going to feel conflicted with this because I want the role. I want to add this to my demo reel. I want the money, (laughs) but do I want to start associated with characters like this is this the path that i start to go down like is it a slippery slope where like oh he was real good at that molestery guy let's get him again is there anything that you've noticed you've been able to pull from your previous careers into now your career into acting any transferable skills oh my god the the court reporting place it was like scripts we were making scripts mannerisms that certain people had or ways of speaking that certain people had it is such a diversity of people i think any job that you have is really good for just observing people's relationship dynamics and how even certain things like how people walk how people carry themselves yeah just like such a diversity of characters Because, like, yeah, you've got the corporate world and the people that are, like, bragging about what private school their child goes to. Not even shaking your hand. Like, they'll go around the entire room of, like, other lawyers and clients and, like, totally ignore you. And, like, sometimes I'd be like, hi, I'm Ken. I'm also a human in here and I'm also, like, a professional in this situation. You're watching characters being built, right? That you can just pull. Yeah. One thing that I think was really helpful for me and is a really interesting premise of this is like, I didn't go through college or university. I've been taking a lot of classes like clowning classes or second city or pro actors lab or these classes with casting directors. And so I'm not like, you know, formally trained, which would be more helpful for Actra. Mm -hmm. But because I did these jobs and I have this experience and I also know like when I was 30, I was like, fuck it. Let's try it. I mean, what have I got to lose? I can always go back and teach in Japan. I can always go back to my teaching degree and actually pursue that. I could go back to court reporting or bartending. Having that experience, it was really a kick in the ass for me to like, fucking try it. You only have one life from what we know. Get out there. And if it fails, you've got all these backups that you can do. I mean, you're you're self-sufficient. Whereas I feel like for a lot of people that went through acting programs, Um, I've got, I was, um, I've got two friends that were like, I can't believe how much you're auditioning. And they had both, both gone through acting programs at universities and colleges. And they're like, we weren't auditioning as much as you are. And 
I think because the age range that I'm in, so, you know, like a lot of new grads are like 21 and like, yeah, there are teen shows, but there's a lot more flexibility in the 30 range where you're like dad now, but you could also, if you're, if you're young enough looking, maybe you could be like, you know, university drama TV show, like Felicity or, you know, those kinds of things. And so having done those jobs and then like also leaving it because I felt like I was just like selling my soul after a while, I was like, fuck it. What, what have I got to lose? And I, I now have all of these characters and acting to me is an adventure, you know, whereas like you, you're a a student inside a school, you've, you've done Shakespeare, you've done musicals, you've written your own things, you produce, you act, you direct. And then all of a sudden you come out and it's like, I'm auditioning for a Taco Bell commercial. It feels like probably for some people, a real degradation of the art and of their skill. Whereas like, I'm like, okay, let's take it piece by piece. I'll try the background, get my toes in the water, see how it is. Oh, it's cool. I was on a a movie with James Franco. Holy shit. I'm in suicide squad, you know? And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, Murdoch mysteries. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm on the TV show rain. Like I was on all these different things. And it gave you the motivation to like push on. Then going to auditions, I was like, oh, this is a new game. This is more stressful. Oh, people are judging me. Whereas like background, there are lots of things to be said about background, about like working conditions and like food and whatever. And like, you know, how actors eat first and crew. And then it's like actra background. And then you're the background for the, the food line. But like, I was always like, whoa, this is cool. Okay. And I'm a pretty energetic person. So you know, I could be up all night or like all day and then go to another gig the next day. And I'd be like, whoa, this is fun. I'm acting, I'm moving. I'm not really getting paid that much, but you know, a lot of the time you've got downtime. So you're sitting and you're reading and then going to auditions. It was like, oh, cool. Okay. This is mm-hmm. a little bit more intimidating, but I was still like, huh, I auditioned for Taco Bell. Okay. I was always very appreciative of any mm-hmm. audition that I got. The commercial world has been very helpful for me and very giving you know i'm getting to a point where i want to do more tv and film but i'm never gonna say like i won't ever do another commercial at least in this point in my career because it's like helped me stay alive Is there anything that you're looking forward to for this year Uh, because i know it's kind of a dismal time in just weather and temperature and blah, COVID. Anything that you're looking forward to that you're getting excited about that keeps the kind of creative drive going? So I've been skating a lot and that's been great. Like I've, I've been going to every single arena, like our open, open rink in the city that there is possible, like almost every other day. Cause I've just been stressed out and I don't want to be stuck in home. So I've been meeting up with friends and like, it's really interesting how physical activity, when it's something as smooth as skating and gliding, makes your mind like ruminate over all of the the things that are going on in your head. I'm a very much physical and energetic person. And so like for me to de-stress, it's not like, you know, doing yoga for me, it's, uh, or like meditating. It's like jumping on a trampoline or like, you know, rollerblading or something more physical, but like that has like a flow to it. Mm. So skating has been one thing that I look forward to. And I've got a bunch of skating dates set up with friends because it's outdoors. You know, it's fairly COVID friendly and safe. And, you know, it's getting us active because so many of us have like gotten gray hair and fat over this pandemic. Like (laughs) so much gray came out in my beard through this. It was like, oh, 
my bangs are so gray. Like just, I don't know, not sleeping well, stress, like getting older, it all like seemed to like really magnify. Like it it really like sped things up. I booked a a trip to Hawaii for a friend's wedding. So I'm I'm really like looking forward to actually traveling because I haven't been anywhere since February of 2020. And I was in New York at that time. And then the, I guess the kind of creative world, whatever ha- uh, the union has in store for me and what shows I could potentially be on is, is mm-hmm. the big thing. And in order to do that, the thing that I'm excited about is I want to do a video of me getting my hair cut, but different types of characters that I can be and different hairstyles. So the beard slowly getting trimmed down and doing different outfits and doing different hairstyles and different wardrobes. The ideas of like, who are you with like a shaved head versus who are you with, you know, the long curly fluffy hair. So I want to do like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen them, but like the hundred years of fashion or the decades of men's hair in the United States. Yes. Yeah. You know, the two thousands. And then it's like, Oh, the 1950s was super slicked and a very thin mustache or, you know, whatever that kind of thing is. Since I have so much hair, I want to do something creative that plays with that. And maybe that'll be something um, helpful for my acting career, too, because maybe people will see the, the differences in the characters I can be. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you're re-energized after that conversation. And thank you, Ken, for being my guest this week. Thank you for being that big old natural dose of caffeine that I really needed. I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Next week, we have another industry episode. So I hope you'll tune in. Bye. Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Bye!